Hey guys and gals, Giles here jumping in to tell you about QScript. Well, they're a script analysis service who provide detailed, constructive and professional reports on shorts, features and TV scripts. They work with both emerging talent aiming for a break in the industry as well as established writers looking to take their scripts and ideas to the next level. They have experienced readers with a track record at honing scripts into the best and most appealing version for production companies and other partners. And because you listen to the Filmmakers Podcast, you get three months membership for free for a limited time. So get there now. QScripts.com. Link is in the show notes. Easy. <laughs> QScripts.com. Check them out. Hello and welcome to episode 312 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie films to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to royally F them up. In our very, very humble, humble opinion. Okay. I'm Giles Alderson. And I'm Don Lenoir. And today we have a special guest. He is a regular host on the podcast. He's also an amazing guy. And he's made a film called Prancer, A Christmas Tale, which we absolutely loved. And we love Phil for making it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast again. Phil Hawkins! Yay! It's kind of weird being a guest. I feel like I really <laughs> yeah. want to join in on the intro, but uh, I'm not allowed. Yeah. yeah. No, As a guest. V- vetoed. <laughs> oh, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. So Christmassy. How are we feeling? It's so Christmassy. Well, you, you guys are probably feeling amazing from, you know, watching my movie and then going to the Christmas lights switch on like you've had yeah. the most Christmas day ever yeah it was actually as Christmassy I watched the movie and then went straight to the lights and it was snowing oh, right. I mean it was just it was just so so it was I couldn't even have planned it to be that Christmassy <laughs> Phil honestly it snowed Phil it actually when we're there like I haven't seen snow like that it was like film snow it's like your snow from Prancer uh, at Christmas time. It honestly was beautiful as we Aww. were recording the intro for your episode and then it yeah. started snowing on us. Production value. I love mm. it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Thank you guys. Thank Pleasure. you. I mean it doesn't doesn't really beat uh, the amazing intro of the last episode. No, no, no. <laughs> Which was just <laughs> crazy, brilliant. right? A brilliant episode Podgun. and a brilliant intro. Just yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Podgun Mavericks. I thought yeah. you guys were. That's if you why, haven't uh, seen it yet, we made a video, myself and Dom Lenoir. We went to an airfield because uh, last week's episode was with Joseph Kaczynski, Top Gun director, and we made a little fun video mocking the beginning of Top Gun. Not, not mocking, yeah, more like a, a sort of a mm. jovial tribute. A jovial tribute. It was great, yeah. honestly. It and was really uh, good. we've had nearly <laughs> 50,000 views. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is ludicrous when you think about it. Isn't it? it really is. It really <laughs> is. So, yes, yours film might not get as many yeah. uh, this week. <laughs> But it should. But who knows? There are reindeers, so you know, you never know. Oh yeah, we did some with reindeers. Never know. People in the Christmas mood, you know, people might want to know how this crazy film was made. They might be joining in. You yeah. know, none of that like indie film starring, you know, non-actors. Yeah. Tom uh, Mappo, the really the low budget production. Yeah. You who know? is that? With planes <laughs> for a rival for a rival studio. Both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Both of them have flying, though. I mean, that's uh, that's an important uh, distinction. Yes, except yours are a reindeer, which 
mm. which is better, right? Less aerodynamic, but good. They are the F-16 of the animal kingdom. I mean, let's <laughs> right? face it. I mean, yeah. to get around the world that quickly <laughs> let's on be Christmas honest, Eve, right? they're quicker than, than Tom Cruise's nuts Nightwing. What's led you to that idea? <laughs> hey. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just call you up on this, Phil, before you before you chastise <laughs> me for puns. There was a few very cheeky puns in your in your film uh, that did not go unnoticed. <laughs> so, uh, Is this when you were messaging me as watching it? Yeah. <laughs> go, go out the puns. Go out the puns. <laughs> would you rather, though, this is interesting, would you rather fly a plane one of Tom Cruise's plane what were they MiG whatever they were yeah, F-16 F-16 or would you MiG, rather MiG to the Russians the uh, the enemies the... fly a reindeer fly a reindeer right how cool is that yeah. so you, you're at yeah, some yeah. event somewhere you're winning a BAFTA mm. and you've got a speech to make <laughs> would you rather say hey ladies and gentlemen boys and girls I I actually flew on a reindeer right well, it's or a different season because you know Tom Landed in a helicopter and in can and did the whole like fighter yeah. jet thing. So you need to land in a, in a reindeer. <laughs> I will run, but it's a wrong season. Uh, if not, I'd be right there. <laughs> we need to not descend into the extra special. Uh, yes, it's uh, true. Know. Which is coming up in a couple of weeks for you. Um, we do. We are doing Christmas special with all the hosts. But yes, let's not descend into that. <laughs> all right. All right. All let's right, talk fine. about this. Let's talk about this. This unreasonably heartwarming, delightful. <laughs> <laughs> visually sumptuous Un- unreasonably. film unreasonable like unreasonable it's unreasonable <laughs> it's beautiful you know, it, it is it, it's one of those like usually you watch you watch indie films and you think yeah that's a good indie film this is this is probably the first film that I, I really felt like this is just a film you know, it, it is just a Christmas film um, <laughs> and I think you know I, I was very impressed by your Star Wars but there's there's just something on a sort of a narrative level that, of this that just it just feels like it should be on your Christmas watch list it just sort of sits there very naturally hmm. uh, and I think that's a, that's a good compliment to kind of start off with I mean I, I take that as a, as a massive compliment because you know there's a real there's a real responsibility and also a get out <laughs> in making a Christmas movie you only make one that's throwaway and we've and uh, involve a princess and this that and the other and you know you make something that is you know insert title here that sounds Christmassy mm-hmm. and there's loads of them I'm not slanting them, but they're not for me. They're kind of more superficial. And for this one, I really wanted to try and make something that would last a little bit longer. Now, you know, and how and 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 say something and and hopefully something that you would go back to year after year because that's the power of a Christmas film. You know, mm. as you guys know, when you make a horror film, mm. you know, like how know. many times <laughs> every year does someone, you know, discover it? Yeah, Halloween especially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Halloween. You know, so uh, so uh, you know, uh, I've got my Halloween movie. <laughs> now I've got my Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> now you just need your summer movie as well. <laughs> yeah, I need my summer movie. That was that was important. I think from when you know when I first read the script was you know my whole my whole pitch for the film was was to develop the film in that way with that kind of lofty <laughs> aspiration of something that lasts because mm. we all want to make movie that lasts yeah and, and especially a Christmas movie you know you do 
it, it, it's so important. Well, let, let's get on to how it started. But first of all, if people don't know, they've just listened in for this Prancer A Christmas Tale special. Phil Hawkins is a regular on this filmmaker's podcast, and he's really insightful. He's also a fantastic director and producer in some way. You know, you've you've done the works, you've done a lot. But let's you know a couple of his credits just to go through. If you haven't seen his Star Wars Origins, by the way, uh, it's a fan movie but it's fantastic uh, it is on youtube now it is free because it's a fan movie uh, and it is utterly brilliant there is some brilliant fan movies out there but this one for me is the fan by far the best it, it, <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> he's also the director of the last showing which is fantastic being sold which is shot in two days butterfly tattoo uh, the women of troy <laughs> we go back but uh yeah we lately, go back yeah. we go back um <laughs> prancer is hopefully like phase two of the phil hawkins cinematic universe <laughs> <laughs> if i can say that aloud i mean that in a yeah he also directed and produced uh, for warriors as well but prancer christmas tale let's just tell people what it's about a little bit and who it stars so uh, Prince of Christmas Tale is about a 10-year-old girl who is basically pulled kicking and screaming over to America to spend the American holidays with her uh, family that she's kind of estranged from and because um, the grandfather basically has this accident and he believes it was caused by a reindeer which everyone thinks okay this guy's crazy there aren't any reindeer around here thus <laughs> kind of this dysfunctional family come together to kind of figure out what they're going to do with granddad um, whilst Gloria and her grandfather um, basically go on this adventure to discover whether the reindeer is actually magical and and what prancer if it is indeed prancer uh wants from them honey i got a call from back home oh, up in this time we're going to the u.s for christmas granddad there's no christmas decorations you can just be kind of grumpy huh you're saying a reindeer landed on your roof think i'm crazy yes prancer is magical this is our secret I got a job for you. What am I hunting? Prancer, watch out! You and I are in this together. All of us here together feels like home. It is on Sky now. They have distributed this movie. Uh, Universal and Universal, yeah, are behind it. I mean, that was an outrageous moment watching it. Watching it, I was like, oh, bloody hell, Phil's Phil's movie. He's got the Universal logo at the start. I mean, that must have been pretty exciting. Yeah, it's a huge. You don't get over that. Mm. You just don't. I mean, on, on the screenings have been signed, and then especially in cinemas, when you watch that, that mm. logo starts. You just think like, oh my God. And um, it was funny in, in post, because I've just skipped ahead to the end. Everyone knew not to play the movie with the logo, uh, because for me, it was like, I had to be ready. And I really wanted it to be a real uh, moment. Because yeah. for me, those yeah. are the movies I grew up, mm. you know, watching with that logo. And that's really special. And, and, and funny enough, that was even part of my pitch when I was talking about the movie, about the kind of responsibility for that logo. Wow. It must have worked that. And so what yeah, I did shed a t- I did shed a tear in the mix. Yeah, the first time it played on the massive screen the mix and it played, I was like, wow, this is 
that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. That is nuts. Did you always want to make such an such an emotional movie? I mean, it, it's it's very touching, and I I kind of I think I saw a few like sort of Home Alone type vibes of the sort of the misunderstood older character, and and I think <laughs> I mean the, the two things that were really touching for me was the the divorce. Um, you know, the sort of the you know I, I my parents got divorced at the same age as that kid, and it's it's quite a big thing for a, for a kid when they're sort of trying to go through those things and the parents trying to explain it. But the main thing that that I loved was just this sort of this grandparent relationship because it's it's such a forgotten thing in film um and and you do get it in christmas movies more than other stuff and i think that's why it's so touching is is this kind of you skip the sort of the parental telling off you get this kind of this divide where there's a bit of innocence and there's there's this kind of really touching relationship i mean was it was it always exactly like this in the, the script or did it kind of develop from the idea yeah i mean it's, and it's lovely you know that you say that and and it and again it's kind of one of the reasons why hopefully it lasts because it's 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 trying to say something you know the way it came about was um, I made Star Wars Origins, as as, as Giles mentioned, and um, and I made another film called Say Grace, which was a very very different movie. It was an LGBT love story, and it's because I, you know decided to kind of hit the reset button a little bit in my career because I just wanted to make studio film. That's always been my goal. That's always been my aim. And uh, so I wanted to make two pieces of work that were, you know, short, showy, and uh, hopefully to get some attention. And, you know, and luckily, uh, I mean, COVID got in the way massively, but, but eventually they got seen and the the producer, Rafael De Laurentiis, who, you know, is a is a ledge in herself, you know. Uh, Not a ledge that you store things on. Well, More of a legend. <laughs> Legend. Yeah, you know, she produced the original Dune and Backdraft and Dragonheart mm. and just so many like massive films. Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow. Yeah, she's, Sky she's Tomorrow. Pretty amazing. Yeah, she's done a lot of movies and mm. um, and obviously from her dad Dino and there's a whole history and legacy there that could fill a podcast. We should get her on. Good idea. You should be talking to her, not me. She's she's the guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> you're the hero though, Phil. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I I read the script and I you know, I think there are a few directors pitching, you know, for for the gig and you know my um my whole pitch was like look i love the the premise i love this idea as you said dom of like the grandfather granddaughter relationship and the kind of fish out of water like tail as it were you know and it and the kind of optimism of uh you know uh, of both a christmas movie but also the perspective of these characters um but the the, the original draft i read was very much a kids movie and i was wanting to make a family movie and now you could say <laughs> what is the difference and there is there is both a world of difference and a very very thin difference <laughs> uh, just to come drink myself but like for me you know it's a family movie needs to speak to everyone you know and mm. and um and it needs to speak to you know it, it needs to go deep and 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 say something and tackle something whilst not forgetting the the, the joy and the fun of of a child watching and that's mm. a very difficult balance you know to tread to have and i think that that the script that i originally read was more kids movie but there wasn't enough reindeer to kind of sustain it for me. You'd, you'd almost have to have a reindeer on every page to keep the kids, you know, mm. the really little kids watching. So my whole pitch to them and, and you know, my first studio movie pitch, yeah, as a director, and I was like, I don't want to mess this up, <laughs> but I also don't want to make a film and live with a film for a couple of years that, you know, that I don't care about particularly. Mm. You know, there's there's no... 
Oh, you're just you're just setting yourself up for a bad course to just do a film just to do it. You know, we all know the pain and heartache <laughs> of making movies anyway. So yeah, you've got I'll to make love movies it anyway. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you need to put your stamp on it. So it sounds like you did that. My, my stamp was 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 the the idea of of, Bet, of Betty and and really mm. talking about the loss of his wife and how it's this kind of bomb that has dropped in this family and, and shattered it apart and, no, and none of the pieces have come back together and you know and the idea of like everyone grieving in very different ways some people deal with it some people don't uh, open wounds and this sense of closure and you know the betty character in the i'm making this sound like a really depressing movie now <laughs> but the betty <laughs> character in the film you know his wife and and you know who was the center of the family and the community you know a gravestone says the heart of the community she lived for christmas this is when she brought everyone together and the community together and and her, so it's a great loss not just for the family but also you know the people in this hardware store which is in the center of this town you know so she symbolized a lot of the christmas spirit so the fact that bud's now seeing this reindeer is is maybe potentially this kind of little latch onto what is this some sort of message is this some sort of i don't know what this is but you know in grief and you know we we cling on to the tiniest things and i think that's what james cromwell you know really loved about the script and um uh and you know and and you know took a number of drafts to get the balance right but essentially that's kind of what the film you know has has become, and I suppose I suppose it's also about you know what happens to people when they get old because it's a it's, it's basically I mean it's an impossible question that pretty much every family has to deal with. It's like the financial considerations, there's independence, and there's also sort of you know you can't just leave them on their own once they get to a certain stage. Um, you know, with certain medical situations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think the film sort of captures that quite well without being too heavy-handed about the message as well. It captures it fantastically. Um, just to jump back slightly, you mentioned there that your agent had sent the script to you. I think it's really interesting for our listeners to know... How you got an agent. <laughs> and, yeah, and, <laughs> and how you then said you're going to be part of that and maybe why you got picked to be in the room. Because you mentioned about Star Wars Origins, you mentioned about your, your other film as well. But how do you think you got in the room? How how do you think your agent went, okay, and this is for you and why a Christmas movie? I suppose it's just that little nugget that'd be really interesting because people want to know how to get in the room and pitch to Universal and you did it. So talk us about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it, it, it was kind of a bit of a lightning in the bottle moment if I have to, you know, I have to, which, you know, is everyone says, oh, everyone has a very different way of, of, breaking in i'm using air quotes because you know mm. um what is breaking in yeah, but that's a whole it, other yeah. discussion but like there was a a good friend of mine uh, an italian line producer called stefano who uh was came out to origins and i was going to do a movie with him a very long time ago in morocco which is how i ended up shooting origins in morocco and he knew the um de, de laurentis is I <laughs> well, whatever the plural of that is yeah. um, and sadly Raphael's mother-in-law Martha De Laurentiis passed away um, just as we were just before we were filming actually um, and um, you know she was uh, and I met with her because she'd seen Origins and kind of I think just wanted to meet this crazy filmmaker who's gone out and made this film and 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 you know and Stefano said I was you know worth meeting and then I think in conversations you know obviously between Raffaella and uh, you know Martha knowing this film that was coming up you know they had they had a chat about me and the fact she met me and then I met Raffaella read the script and you know I kind of sort of pitched to her 
really kind of through email first really about this is what I love. This is what I think, you know, and it was a, it was a blurb, a big, long, big, long stream of consciousness that was kind of edited down for the studio in a kind of bite size um, way. And then, you know, I had my, um, then I had basically my kind of Zoom interview really with them and, you know, the, the heads of the division and with Raffaello and, you know, stuff and just talk through, you know, what I thought. And, and also, um, the head of the division um, was sat having lunch and then they were actually talking about origins when this whole thing came up and, and again Martha was on the lot and she was like oh I just met this guy in London like yeah you should meet him so it was kind of coming out all all sides really and it was again that's why it's kind of lighting the bottle yeah, you know? so, so make yourself a, a really, really massive blockbuster short and then uh, <laughs> sort of spam it spam it around everywhere and then a, a studio yeah, will pick you up. And someone will pick you up. Yeah, someone will say something. But I mean, that that was, it's a hard one because obviously you can't emulate that success. But there's, but what it shows is that if you make something and put yourself out there, mm. like it doesn't have to be as crazy as a Star Wars fan film, but you know, it's like if you put yourself out there um, and talk to enough people mm. and, and, you know, hopefully the world will align, you know, and it took a long time, you know, it, it took a long time from the film coming out. And obviously COVID was a massive, you know, you know, part of that, you know, and, and, and it, it was funny because, you know, as we all know, we go through like these peaks and troughs of what we deem our own success, you know, <laughs> up and down, you know, and I was kind of felt like I was riding high when Origins came out and, you know, because I sat down, I, mean, I went and sat and met Amblin, for God's sake. I was like, yeah. Mecca, you yeah. know. You met the Mecca, yeah, Amblin. Yeah, and, then it, and it, you know, and it, and it shut down, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, um, that COVID shut everything down and then there was just nothing for ages. And it was like, God, have I lost the momentum? It, has it gone, mm. you know? Um, and then this this opportunity came along and and then uh then you know grabbed it with both hands and look i i love christmas you know i love a christmas movie um and um but a certain type of christmas movie and i could then try and channel some of my other favorite movies kind of into this one as well and you know and then that's that's kind of how it all came about but i guess it sounds like as well when you did get the opportunity to meet these people you didn't sort of charge in and say I want to make a movie, you know, you sort of, you opened up a dialogue. Is that, is that kind of correct? And you were more discussing ideas and, and sort of common interests rather than like, I'm a director. I want you to fund my movie sort of, sort of approach. Is that, is that yeah. I mean, I mean, that's probably the one of the, I mean, it's, 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 it's already, it's also complicated, but that's, you know, the sort of advent, um, the advantageous thing about making a studio film is like, you're not chasing the finance you're not pitching to you know to investors mm -hmm. you're pitching to studio heads you know they already have you know a sort of idea in their mind of what this film is and how they think they can sell it and what kind of film it should be and mm -hmm. and it's like are you gonna get in line with that <laughs> and and not take it too far off track but also try and make do something interesting you know with it mm -hmm. that's interesting you say not too far off track and i think that is quite fascinating i think as filmmakers and that fine line when you are pitching you are there in front of a studio a job you love to have you know what i mean it's like look and you certainly want to be in the mix whether that's the film you want to make you want them to like you and you want them to know that you're a, a clever intelligent person who could make a film for them that fine line between saying the wrong thing like you say you you went down the line of look i want to make this more 
family than child friendly. This is what I'd like to do to it. Now, if they'd gone, no, we want a kid's movie. Sorry, no, we want something that isn't, you know, E.T. We want something that's very much more pause patrol, you know. You've now lost the job. So you've got that fine line, but you also... You could come back and say, well, it's got universal appeal. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) But But you can also, you what you did was put your stamp on it. You already said you personally went, well, I don't want to make that kind of movie. This is the movie I would like to make with this. So you're already getting, putting your passion behind it, but you're also gaining their trust. And, you know, maybe it's lucky, maybe it's not that they went, yes, that's the right line. Who knows what the other directors in the mix did? Who knows? I mean, they might have gone, yeah, I want to make a kids movie. No, yeah, I have no idea. And, and, and I'm also, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to get the kids. Someone, someone's but, at home crying. Uh, like, crying now, listening to this, going, fuck this you, This was Phil. my dream. If, if you are, please reach out. It'd be fascinating to know what you were going to do with right? it. But, um, mm. you know, but I think, I mean, look, it, it, you know, I obviously said the right thing. And, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I said, I, I kind of said, like, because of streamers and we, I didn't quite know where it's going to end up because of, you know, various streaming things and blah, 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 output deals and all this stuff that I didn't get involved in. But I was like, look, more people have the potential of seeing this film in its first weekend in its lifetime than ever would at the cinema. Yeah. So I know this is kind of the low budget you know, our end of like universal pictures, as it were, as, as a studio. But like, it still has to maintain that quality. It still has to, because the audiences don't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they just want to be gripped by story and hopefully it's not, doesn't look rubbish and feels like a Christmas movie, you know? And speak, speaking about speaking about the look of the film, I mean, I, I was quite interested because you've you've gone for a very cinematic, but it's also, it's almost like quite, um, it's like an adult approach to the lighting like there's there's lots of dark um sections there, there's lots of like uh pockets of light that are sort of picked out it's because it's cheaper dom <laughs> no i didn't it's not the right answer <laughs> <laughs> that's not what we're expecting <laughs> you, you've lit it you've lit it like uh you know what what, what might be you know may, maybe not uh, you know there's obviously there's a sort of nostalgic moments where it's lit very sort of dusty with the you know that stuff but you've also lit it in in, in ways that are sort of outside of what you might traditionally look at as the um you know the christmas genre which i think adds a sort of a depth and a, and a, and a, you know an element of slight darkness at times which is which gives it authenticity um was that you know was that a difficult thing to get the studio to get behind or was it just all part of the process i mean i'd be lying if i said i wasn't nervous because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know until because they what you know everyone's watching the rushes you know and uh mm. you, you know you're kind of waiting for that phone call to come to go first too dark um <laughs> but it, but it, it never came and and um you know and Raphael was a great guardian of that you know she was very much a supporter of the vision and that was wonderful about working with a producer of that experience that like she was there and present but wasn't there there you know mm. she wasn't just like by the monitor all the time but she was watching everything you know she knew my amazing cinematographer James Oldham um who who shot this film he did Star Wars Origins with you as well right so yeah you know he, did, well. he did he did sections of Star Wars Origins yeah. and and I've known him for a very very long time um and uh but yeah this is the kind of biggest thing we'd worked on you know together we had a very similar sensibility i mean we were, we were watching films in between shooting like lincoln and you know kind of spielberg like period movies going magnolia oh, we should get yeah. we need to get james cromwell backlit in front of a window you mm. know because that's like lincoln and we and we did it you know but it's like you did but i think it was about trying to trying to create something that that felt didn't feel glossy i don't know traditional felt a little bit 
classic. And I don't mean to say the film is a classic because that's, that's, you know, you can't say that. Please don't quote me. <laughs> classic. <laughs> what I'm saying is it had a classic feel. You know, my, all my references in the f- movies that I love are, you know, that kind of Spielbergian approach of long continuous masters and, and you know, and, and developing masters and, and, and using blocking, you know, to suggest status and character and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, and I went to town <laughs> on this movie because <laughs> nobody said no. Uh, but I think, um, <laughs> I think it's just also my taste, I guess. I'm just mm. kind of, you mm. know... Um, um, yes, it's it's dark in places, but I think it's for a, a sense of mood and atmosphere. Mm. You know, uh, instead of it feeling very cheap and shiny and digital, yeah, and, that's it. You yeah. know, and that and trying to break down that look. You know? Yeah, but you have created that. You have created that look, and again, you stuck to your guns. Was this something again coming back to the pitching room and when you, you you were thinking you were getting the job? Did you have one meeting with the? How many meetings did you go for? Can you remember? I think I just had. I think I had one. All right, one right. take wonder over here. I think, I, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think I had one pitch meeting, and yeah, and then I got the job on because I was away. I was in, I was in Belarus actually shooting a commercial when I had my call, and then, uh, then yeah, I got home, and then Raphael called me on like Christmas Eve and said, "Hey, kid, hey, kid, <laughs> you, know, you, you got, got the, the job." job. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh my god." On Christmas uh, Eve, that, how that, special! Yeah, Christmas but, Eve, I know it's very sweet. With that pitch, did you also go in with images? Did you go in with? a look because obviously it's very hard at that stage on that on that pitch i didn't honestly i just wow. it was all about it for that was all about story it felt too early to kind mm. of talk about imagery mm. um and um as much as I said oh you know i kind of want to have like a spielbergian-esque kind of feel uh for for want of a lofty description and you know i talked about you know uh, kind of how you know how elements of et work i talked about mm. up as a reference you know mm. i talked about other classic Chris obviously it's a wonderful life and you know, mm-hmm. Miracle on 31st Street and you know and uh yeah and, and, uh, yeah 34th Street sorry what did I say <laughs> that's the that's the prequel to the prequel to the prequel um, um but yeah I talked about these classic movies and why they've stood the test of time and also Pixar movies and how they mm-hmm. work and engage you know on uh, talking about deep things i mean if you look at like a film like in you know inside out and and obviously up as well but i mean you know they're dealing with like you know difficult themes uh but still engaging kids and they're so multi-layered and and wonderfully wonderfully written and i was like look if we can take a little leaf out of that you know handbook and apply it to this then hopefully we'll have something that might stick around you know Mm. and will say something and did you have any pushback on in terms of like how because i mean some of the characters you don't really sugarcoat like like you know the sort of the dad (laughs) character (laughs) he's he's not he's not drastically sort of sugarcoated as like well mummy and daddy don't don't really get on anymore but let's keep things civil and you know it was just like (laughs) dad's useless place that and he was one of the last people to cast because it was actually a really hard actor to a role to cast for that reason like you know and for me you know he's i mean he has a funny moment in the film where he's like i'm the bad guy in the story which always gets a big laugh because it's like duh but he's not really you know if anything i think he's quite close to the way i am with my family in terms of let's bang some heads together and sort this out (laughs) you know but no it's just kind of yeah all of that well no it's just 
you understand where he's coming from. Okay, yeah. maybe not doing it in the right way, you know, and and coming across as like a you know a, a bulldozer. <laughs> uh, but like, but he, as he says, he's been there. He's done through this. He's at the he's at his wits end. Like this, and now he's crashing his car and talking about magical reindeer. Like this, this like he needs help. You know, and um, and so, yes, is kind of one of the antagonists of the story, but hopefully in a way that like, you know, us as adults, you know, thinking about our parents and things, you know, can kind of relate to <laughs> maybe not his methods, but what got, can kind of relate to. No, no, he, he is very, he is very likable for sure. Yeah, but you had a lot of those he themes in there. You, you talk about you know, the darker side of it, the darker themes. And that's what's so wonderful about this film is it's not airy-fairy. It's not just, oh, this is a simple Hallmark Christmassy movie. It's really not. It really goes darker. I mean, there is a lot of reindeer fun for the kids as well, guys. Just uh, just putting it out there yep. before, I get, <laughs> before I get before I get shot by... Uh, <laughs> by the ra- reindeer hunters. <laughs> the reindeer well, hunters. for kids. <laughs> but, but it is. No, but that's the thing. But, but what we're talking about here is Up. Up is for kids. There's no question about it. Up is for every age of kids. But it's, it's still very dark. It's still very emotional. And I think what I'm saying by that, look at E.T. You know, it does have those dark elements. No one really he talked about them at the time everyone just sort of goes hey that was a brilliant movie and isn't Spielberg amazing I think that's what I'm saying here is the fact that this is definitely a kids movie you know there's no question about it. it's a family movie but you touched on topics and important subjects that I think a lot of people have shied away from in a lot of yeah. these kind of movies it's very fluffy yeah. whereas yours isn't it's fluffy in the right way. It's strokey. It's furry. You know, it's yeah. it's like the deer yeah, yeah, furry. Yeah. So you've got those, <laughs> the heart of it all, you know, and I think that is what stands out. I think that's why this will stand the test of time, in my opinion, because it's brilliantly well made. It really is. I think that's it as well, because, you know, exactly what you were saying there, like the those movies, like, you know, like, like take the Home Alones, etc. They the reason like, you know, you, you watch stuff as a kid and you're like, that's fun. And then that's it. You move on. But stuff like Home Alone, like I watch every, you know, pretty much every Christmas because it's got, it, it, it creates these like moral questions in you as a kid um, beyond the entertainment, and that that is what gives it longevity. And it, it like I think it really does. It reaches you, um, and I, I think it has a long place in 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 those messages. I hope so. I mean, I just uh, I don't want. I mean, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase you know the message because I don't want to. But you know, we just had a message you know sent to us from a you know, someone that just watched it today and said, like, thank you for effectively helping me, uh, you know, come to terms with my mother passing last month. Wow. And I was just like, wow. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm still a bit gobsmacked, but like, isn't that what movies are for? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? No, isn't that why we do it? If you can touch, if I can touch that one person that's just gone you know, has responded in that way, you know, mm. and sent this lovely, you know, message, then just wow. I mean, that's just that's just so lovely to do from a reindeer Christmas movie. You know, it's like it, it's it, it, but it's it's I think what it hopefully does is is because it is hopefully, you know, optimistic and uh you know and has a sentimentality that is, you know, full of innocence and wonder, because, you know, even with the the kind of grumpy granddad, you know, he's 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 kind of reawakened a sense of you know the childhood spirit. And th- so then I feel that hopefully the, the 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 you know the kind of more challenging themes probably hit you harder <laughs> because of 
you know, because of that reason. The same way that having, you know, comedy and horror and that sort of thing, you know, you have a release and, you know, and then you pull people back. So, yes, yeah, certainly playing with those, those messing with people's emotions, hopefully. In the edit, then, we're talking about that. Was there any pushback? Again, Dom's touched on this earlier with when you were on set with the, with the, the colour and the light and mood. Was the same in the edit? Was there ever a moment where the studio kind of went, okay, is this, is this too dark? Is this too, or not? Because I hope not, but I'm interested. No, not all really, because they knew the film I was telling and, and, and what was important to me. And I, you know, and everyone knew in making it and it was no secret that I really wanted Betty to be present, like everywhere, you know, mm. in the house, in the detail of the, the house, photos, and, yeah, you everywhere. know, and the photos and the props and the kind of suggestion of her in the hardware. Mm. So she's she's kind of everywhere, both in kind of dialogue and also spirit, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and um, and that was um, important to me, and especially in like production design and and the the set dressing, all the stuff. There's so much detail which mm. you probably don't see, but it's all there. No, you do, yeah. Especially in their antique shop as well. Yes, that's what makes it real. Yeah, yeah, it does. That's what really, really is wonderful. Ooh, what's that? It's music. In the middle of the podcast, it can only mean one thing. It's sponsorship time. We are delighted to be sponsored by Q Scripts. Uh, it's a script analysis service. Annual membership package costs only £60 a year. It includes monthly webinar and Q&A sessions with industry professionals, including commission writers, producers and directors. You get a discount on all services offered by Q Scripts and access to a 36-page quarterly industry magazine brimming with useful content, industry insights and interviews with writers, plus free entry into the monthly prize draw with the chance to win a free detailed script report. Check out qscripts.com. Link for ease. To make it easier for you so don't have to type it in is in the show notes. Just scroll down, click on it. There it is. qscripts.com. And that was obviously one of the wonderful things about it being a studio movie and having a, you know, a few more quid than you normally would on an indie was because everything is built. You know, uh, <laughs> there aren't any, you know, Vermont style, you know, houses in Romania, which is where we saw it. Um, you know, that, that house exterior in the workshop and everything, their, their builds, the, the house is a set, you know, the, the street is a set, you mm. know, a backlot set, you know, at Castel. So the whole thing is kind of, is built, you know, from the ground up and, and that allows you to have opportunity to, you know, to a block it in certain ways. Cause mm-hmm. obviously I've got some wonders and things. So, you know, you could mm-hmm. design rooms based on that stuff. And also, you know, in terms of the detail of, of, of the way it, f- it felt, you know, um, the whole street and the hardware store and the house are reworked to have a feeling like it's been there forever, you know, because again, it breaks down that whole feeling of the digital, you know, superficiality of a Christmas film, you know, mm-hmm. when it's actually something that feels like it exists, you know, mm-hmm. So talking a little bit about blocking, how do you work with a reindeer? <laughs> you don't, basically. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 what's CGI? What's what's actual reindeer? Like, Because, I, I mean, it is an important question. It is, but I, what I like about that, Dom, is you don't know. Because I, <laughs> I saw an early cut of this movie when, the, when there wasn't a lot of reindeer 
uh, in there. Okay. So you right. see, what I love about that is you asked the question, which means mm. that that reindeer looked, mm. and it did, because I've watched it now since, and it does look incredible. You know, there's no yeah. question about it. The CGI team have done a great job. Was there no was there no reindeer at all? No, no, yeah, there was. It's oh, ma- it's, okay. it's it's yeah. mainly all real reindeer. Okay, right, okay. There's a few few cheeky yeah, bits. Yeah, and, and you know, I'll public thanks to to Giles for watching it. You know, early on, uh, actually, will I get shot for saying this? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Send the reindeer hunters after him. <laughs> you two have watched all my films at an early yeah, stage. Yeah, so. we, we do this, it, and there's a film, you know, and God, everyone, every, you know, it's it's you, you've got to show it to you, your chums, you know, especially in the very short turnaround I had to make the film. And actually, you know, hats off to Giles because one of your notes, uh, you know, was in of like I'm not quite sure where we are intercutting between you know london and bright ridge and, and maybe we should do some titles to say how long it is till christmas i think that was your note and mm, they're in the movie that, that was i was like that was a great really? idea so so thank you um Pleasure. the i forgot the question oh the block oh how with the reindeer. <laughs> no, again i think that was probably one of the, the craziest things you know people you know again i think even those who were getting into shooting it um, I mean, the studio, I think, just assumed I was going to do it all CG. Um, and uh, even speaking, you know, to other people involved, like visual effects, they were quoting the whole movie to be a CG animal. And I'm like, that's that's not my movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that again, if you want to take someone out of a movie, have had some, you know, bad CGI mm-hmm. <laughs> cartoony reindeer. And look, and as much as, you know, as much money as you have, and you could have ILM, and you can have like amazing thing, you would still know it wasn't a real reindeer. You know, as, as beautiful as that is. So I, so so the tricks were, you know, we had a real reindeer um, who was trained in inverted commas because you can't really train a reindeer um, for months. I mean, he, he seemed pretty good. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is the magic of editing <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of and a lot of patience. And also, <laughs> you know, dealing with how the reindeer was that day, like Ellen, the reindeer. <laughs> No, I mean, and you you laugh, right? You laugh, but like, yeah, this is why I don't make films about with children and animals. Why is it my latte here? <laughs> yeah, but like, you, you're missing out on all the. Hey, catch her at the wrong time of day. You know, she was like really calm, really mm. mellow. You know, catch her all the times of the day was just very curious or just mm. basically couldn't be bothered. She was just mm. like, I joked with with uh, with with Jamie and Darcy. You know, that the the, um, oh, the reindeers you know, to lead to the film. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that was Rudolph. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who you know who number one and two of the call sheet and I was like look when the reindeer's on set you, you might as well add a zero because all our attention is on this animal for that those moments yes. um, and like it's you have a and I actually prevised all the reindeer sequences uh, mainly because you know visual effects wanted to budget it you know in case it became that thing mm-hmm. but I was absolutely adamant that we were only going to use CG when we f- just had to, when it was physically impossible. Like there's some shots of like following the reindeer on the snowmobile through the woods. Like, A, you couldn't do that because she'd be petrified. I mean, she was absolutely petrified, like drones and things like that. Or B, you just lose her in the woods. Like, <laughs> you know, how are you going to think? Yeah. So um, so a lot of her training was just getting her used to people because she wasn't mm. like, an, like a TV film animal. Like she mm. came out of a paddock. <laughs> You know, and and she was beautiful, and she you know came up to me and fed out my hand, and you know mm. was trying to impress the director, and, uh, <laughs> and as all uh, good actors should. Yeah. <laughs> Has she seen the movie? <laughs> I hope so. Let me come out to it. You need to have a reindeer screening. Sorry. <laughs> just sit in her paddock like that with, with my phone. Um, but, um, and, you know, so Vedran Anohandler, you know, 
worked with her for months getting her used to people because you know obviously our end of the film is she's with crowds of people and you know and uh some of that is clever you know editing in terms of you know crowd duplication some of it she's actually just there getting used to camp because reindeer aren't really used to walking in stores and being in back rooms of stores mm. you know and their antlers are bloody huge you know and stuff so and there's a safety thing there as well so we had a real reindeer we had a puppet reindeer uh, which i used a bunch um and then we had a cg reindeer and and my rules for the cg was like we're only going to use the cg um when we are a certain percentage on the screen so i never wanted this kind of mid-range of like you know, well, we're mid shot, but that's going to be CG. It's like, well, if we're mid shot or close, you know, um, mm. then we're real. It has to be real, no matter what. And if we're wide and far away, then usually we're backlit because it helps the CG, beds it in more. Uh, and it obviously mysterious and adds up to it, you know, and, and use it in that way. And one of the most complicated sequences in the, in, in, in the film is uh, the moment when mm-hmm. Darcy, Glo- Glo- the Glory character, is uh, taking the lights off, mm. um, off the reindeer's antlers because that's a whole uh, mix yeah. of tricks because mm. there's, there's everything in that sequence, like all in one, because you can't ever have, you can ever have the lights on the antlers because the antlers are very, very sensitive. And also, just to maybe blow your mind on or people watching, all of the antlers in that entire movie are CG. They're not her real antlers. They're just every single antler is CG. So actually, when you see her, wow. she, is, she is a CG shot, but only her antlers. Oh, Because wow. her antlers are like beautiful little dainty things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because fem- female reindeers just have small ones, don't they? Yeah. Ah. And I wanted her to feel a bit yeah. more majestic yeah. um, and, and magical. So we, added, so we added CG reindeers and they've got little curls on them that feel a little bit more kind of magical. Very subtle, but it's kind of there. So yeah, so a lot of visual effects shots, but hopefully you don't you mm. know, notice. It's just, again, just add to character. And, and the last layer of that is sound, you know. Oh, yes. I've been practicing my, uh, my reindeer sound. Oh... Oh. I'll, I'll buy that. Oh, I need to re- <laughs> record it. Good uh, for the sequel. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we 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 hired a, a legend called Frank Welker, who uh, he was the you know original Transformers, original Scooby Doo. He actually he's the voice of Sven in Frozen. So you could say Sven's in my film to do sessions with us to get that sound right. And then I had a painstaking. God, I know how long it took for me to edit the noises with the action to, to get the right emotion, to get character across. So it looked like they were talking or there was dialogue to give character to what it was an animal just stood there, mm. <laughs> essentially. But it worked. So a lot of tricks. But there was a lot of tricks. A lot of tricks. But there was, there was so much joy in that as well, you know. Um, and you must have had fun working with your editor as well, uh, Sylvia and LaBelle, because it comes across you know you because like you say you're trying to find things in the edit that work and i suppose let's go back to those reindeer shots because you must be going okay well i've i've got the shot where the wide where the reindeer walks in now i need the close i need the eyes these are the maybe you're thinking about the most important things you needed to tell the story at that point like working with a baby you're like okay what before the baby cries i need to tell the story which shots can i tell the story with is that what you were thinking most of the time with the reindeer then when you got lucky you were like oh my god look at that lucky shot or when you didn't you went how do i piece this together yeah and and i had all of them on the film you know you can imagine i mean had wonderful moments where she just sort of did and blocked 
blocked and moved and was hungry enough to kind of be interested in stuff and moved exactly where you needed to do and you're just thinking holy this is this is wonderful mm -hmm. you know um i had you know i i did reshoot a scene or half of a scene uh, at the end of uh, production because i didn't get it like the the reindeer from from a character or perspective or the story perspective was doing something that wasn't correct like i i you know in in the midst of everything, it was one of my busiest days and a big day. We're in this kind of national park and big lighting setups in the woods and all this stuff. Um, and I got shot some beautiful stuff of like Ellen, who, who prants her, you know, nudging Gloria and they're having this lovely interaction. I was shooting, going, oh my God, this is amazing. They, they feel like they're really, but it was kind of wrong for that moment in the story. And I walked mm -hmm. away and it was, and it was Raffaello who, who said, you know, to her credit that like, Phil, uh, I don't think, I don't think you got that. It's like, what do you mean? Of course I've got it. Of course I've got it. You know, and then walked away. It's like, ah, oh, I didn't get it. So we we basically went behind the studio and like, you know, uh, put some snow on some trees and, and shot, you know, a slightly different section. And both locations are in that scene, but you just can't tell. What was the reaction that you were after from the reindeer that you you couldn't get? And how do you how did you get the performance from it? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it was it was it was uh, she was being too kind of interactive and uh. nuzzling, and it, was, and it was kind of it was too kind of playful for the moment when she needs to be a bit more stoic and and, mm. and stuff, and and it was a little bit distracting for that moment in the story, and yeah. and you know and. So, you know, and then beautiful moments of like when she's running past the lights um, on the street, that was my amazing grip who we laid a big rail. I was like, lay a rail as long as you possibly can down this street because I've no idea what she's going to do. And we've got all these lighting cues going on. So just let's follow her. And usually she's just a little trot and follows the hand. <laughs> the handlers, you're either painting the handle out or he's just out of the frame, you know, because she's following the, the handler. And he just started running. Just started running and like the grip, because amazing grip, like just saw it and went for it and matched her speed perfectly. Wow. Uh, and I was just the monster going, oh my God. Oh, that oh my is God. Magic. She's running. Oh my God. <laughs> and it was magic. And that again, really is, not CG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and it was a, it was a beautiful moment where you're like, wow! It kind of the hindsight to set the rail as long as possible, and you know, to put that little bit more time in, because you know, to to do that, and then because uh, we would have run out of rail if I, you know, for the shot I thought it was going to be. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of prepared for the unexpected, really, with with animals, I suppose. Mm. I remember when we were doing Arthur and Merlin, and maybe it was the same with you on for Warriors when we were doing horse work was just frightening, but it was also like what will happen what is going to happen and having to have that concentration of actors being on them as well getting the cameras absolutely set before anything moves just took so long these are trained horses so imagine when you've got a reindeer that isn't you know like you say isn't trained, trained at all deer. it must be it must be so difficult <laughs> but you had actors interacting with them you know shout outs to some your, your, your cast are fantastic by the way and shout outs to Joseph Milson and Sarah Jane Potts um, who we know but also you know Darcy wonderful who, uh, are, yeah. who played you know your lead young girl of Gloria and her having to interact with a real reindeer and a reindeer that isn't there how mm -hmm. did you get that brilliant performance what did you do how did you talk to her so that she felt comfortable and safe i mean the reindeer is is just a case of i mean that's really the 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 ground that's been set the groundwork's been set by a veteran animal handler who's got used to people and then slowly introduced 
the people like myself, you know, I'd always go and feed her and have a chat with her and just, you know, sit down. Oh, I talked reindeer. to her all the time. The reindeer, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, the no, it did, honestly. Because, yeah, not Darcy. You know, the more she got, because I was always on set and even when it was, because when it was a reindeer, it was a closed set, right? You know, so, um, so you know, so it was usually only me and, and James DP or whoever on, on set doing it. So she had to be very used to me, especially because I'm going out sort of pointing and doing mm. my flappy director hands around her. <laughs> I love um, doing that. <laughs> and and um but yeah so the same with Darcy getting used to used to her because I mean Darcy wasn't a wasn't afraid of her, you know. She doesn't have, you know. It's not as if you're trying to get. I had it on commercials where you 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 cast a, a kid and there's a dog in a scene and you realise the kid is afraid of dogs. You're like, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> well, yes. you know. Why do we cast you? <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, you know. So that side of it um, was was relatively easy, really, because uh, again, it was just creating a sort of safe space, you know, for the reindeer that felt relaxed, no loud voices, no radios, nothing too loud or noise that make her react. You know, I mean, the, the kind of funny story is like we, she was coming out of the workshop one night and as, as her doppelganger puppet was being wheeled past her at the same time. And she's quite a sort of calm, placid animal. She took one look at this puppet and went nuts. She impaled that thing. <laughs> wow. She attacked it. She really, and this is like an expensive puppet that we have oh, one no. of them, you know. Oh, no. And she attacked that thing like a knot. And all the crew that maybe, you know, a week earlier were like, oh, I need to get a selfie of the reindeer. We're sitting like, nah, you're right. Don't, no, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. I'm <laughs> to be on set. I'm not getting near that thing. Um, because, you know, and there's a moment in the film where she gets a, box stuck in her antlers and and because i wanted her knocking the box down and she flings that thing across the room and that's a real again a beautiful moment that you just set up ready for you know that that then you go okay well that's in the movie and now need to kind of find all the pieces to make mm -hmm. sure that's in the movie you know so it's a it's a it's a lovely challenge and i'm, I'm you know i'm very proud of what the whole team really is you know editing animal handlers shooting you know mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, to make that performance work because it is a performance did you, know? did you do any did you do any rehearsals with, with i mean did you have time for rehearsal with james cromwell and did you have any time with the other actors in terms of like practicing stuff in advance or do you just have conversations conversations really i'm not much of a like sit down have a table read you know, uh, kind of thing. James Cromwell is James Cromwell. <laughs> I mean, you know, we had a chat about tone, you know, about character, you know, very much talked about Betty, uh, you know, working with animals. I mean, and, you know, obviously Babe, like, yeah. you know, Oscar nominated for Babe, you know, he's worked with animals way than I have, you know, so he totally understood the patience and totally understood the laser sharp focus of waiting for the animal to do one thing and just go, okay, reset. And there'd be mid-dialogue, no, no, reset. Okay, they'd step back and step back into it. You're trying to get that moment where they step in and the animal reacts to it. And mm. you do that five, six, seven, eight, nine times. And then you and you know, and you're just waiting, and then the scene can continue, you know, because you've got that moment. 
Um, so there's kind of, and there's also pressure on an actor, don't fluff your lines around the reindeer because, you know, you might not get another shot at the reindeer and, and all that stuff. So, but he was very prepared for that and, and you know, and, and uh, was well up for the challenge. And, you know, as a, you know, as a vegan and activist of animal rights and all this stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, he obviously has a laser guided focus on how the animal is being treated and, you know, and, and how, and, uh, you know, I'm vegetarian. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I very much, you know, I mean, I love all animals, but especially on set, I'm like, got to look after them. No yeah. reindeers were harmed in the making of this motion picture. No. <laughs> 100% weren't harmed at all. And, mm. uh, she had a lovely, hopefully a lovely time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's what you, you hope for. Um, because it's true, we're just making a movie at the end of the day, you know, and we're, we're, they're, we're asking them, you know, we're, we're sort of set, doing something you, why, why am I doing that? You know what I mean? I don't want to go up and yeah. down this street again just say, what's this yeah, thing yeah, yeah. following me? Yeah. A lot of one take wonders. Yes, I imagine. And let's talk about those wonders because there's, we, we've talked about wonders on the podcast a lot. We both like them, a moving master, the Spielberg thing we like. And you've, got quite a lot in this movie and it's fabulous did you plan them obviously you planned them but what i mean is <laughs> he didn't just, he let's just go for just a shot says, go, 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 go do just whatever see what happens just film just turn over the camera you go for it yeah. no, did you, what i mean by that is had you really thought about the the locations the thing and gone ah this will really work for a moving master slash one this location here because you're building the set. So had you planned yeah. that within that world of, I know if I'm going to build this set, I'll make it perfect for these shots I want to do. Yeah. You know, I think, I think reading the script, there are certain moments where I thought, cause you know, I'm a fan like you Giles and, and don't worry, mm. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that you know, style of filmmaking and, mm. uh, you know, a student of Spielberg and, you know, and those kind of classic ways of, of, and also Gesper goes back to me very, very, you know, uh, fledgling days of directing where I was in theater, you know, and understanding how, you know, how that works, uh, in terms of blocking on the stage. So, you know, there's, there's a few that were for story, but also because I'm lazy, uh, and I'd rather do a, a one, I'd rather do a, a very complicated one shot master than, than shoot eight people sat around a breakfast table in mids. Like I just, mm. it would bore me to tears, absolutely mm. bore me to tears. And you'd, you'd, you know, you probably wouldn't make your day. <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, and that's, that's interesting when people are up against it on an indie film, sometimes you do your best work because you've got to think outside the box. You planned all these, like you say mid shots with everyone but suddenly you go no we've got five minutes we're losing the light what are you gonna do suddenly you create maybe your best shot of the whole movie because you're like i'm gonna go from there you're gonna turn into this shot and the angle then the camera's gonna turn and you suddenly you've got the whole scene in a moving master wanna and it's actually just as good if not more interesting than cutting away to a hand going through a i don't know a comb yeah i mean i think yeah, and and I mean, I you know these these were very much I very much planned these in advance because I wanted the actors to be very aware of lines and you know and, and knowing that you know there were going to be one so they weren't just you know it wasn't just pounced on them the day it's like hey do you know seven pages of like a two hander between that are quite emotional you know and <laughs> and difficult in terms of status and all this stuff between you and your son uh, Jamie could you just do it all in one and you're like it just it'd just be like no <laughs> well thanks for the. <laughs> Morning, you know, but um, I'm like, what you don't know your lines? Of course, it's a one. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, of course, no. Yeah. But you know, there's there's there was a few. So, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of film, but there's three in 
Demos. So it was the kitchen scene in the very beginning, which for me was about bringing a sense of reality and grounded feel to this family. And I felt like I wanted movement and motion and reality, like especially mm. at breakfast when everyone sat down. How many how many times are you actually at a family kind of breakfast where everyone sat down at the exact same time and no one's no. getting up doing anything, you know? So I really wanted to give a sense of life and energy to that. Mm. Um, and also had all the, you know, all the young actors um, on that scene as well. And I didn't want their performances to be stilted. And, you know, and <laughs> it's one of those where, uh, I my amazing grip that set up that shot I talked about earlier on this when I was starting to block it and, and tell him why I need the camera and how you know how I think you do it was like it's impossible Phil honestly I think it's impossible I think you'd have cut here I'm like well yeah. you know what if we just get a bit <laughs> of a ronin and a bit of a scaffold and we mm -hmm. click it off at this point and then you pass it over to that and there's the and then it becomes this dance and yeah and as much as it makes the first lady nervous that you know you're like oh my god you know, how long is this going to take to do this? It's like, well, this is all we've got to do today. And if you get it by lunch, then yeah. we're on the advanced schedule. But if you get it by the end of the day, it's all we need to do. And won't it be wonderful? And we did get it by lunch and we did shop more than, you know, more that we planned to the end of the thing. Then, you know, Paper Moon was a big influence um, uh, on this film for me, mainly because of that, you know, that was more father-daughter dynamic, obviously, but in terms of amazing young performance. And there's, you know, there's a one that's very simple, two-shot rigged to a car down a street where that conversation's happening. Um, and that was really important to me that that didn't cut because that was just a nod to the whole of those car scenes in, in Paper Moon. And again, it's like... Uh, Darcy's absolutely amazing, you know. It's ten-year-old girl just toe to toe with this eighty-two-year-old legend, legend of an actor, yes. you know, and they're both keeping each other on their toes. It was just magnetic. Mm. So it's like, why am I cutting this? And then yeah. you know, one of the later ones, which you know, is this scene with um, James and and Aaron, and it's the father-son you know, conversation where he's asking for his help. And again, two great actors that I really wanted to play with this idea of status um, and, and the changing of status within their relationship during the scene, which I felt that if this was them two guys sat down a table, which I think is probably how it's written, it just would have been dull, mm -hmm. you know, it just went a bit boring. And, and I thought it was a good opportunity. Now, you know, hilariously, that was one that I did actually have to come up with on the day because the way I blocked it, and the way I'd planned it and had it in my back pocket, because I always do this and I knew exactly where the camera needed to be. And I, I was there days before going, okay, it's going to go here. Da, da, da. Got to set, started blocking it. And, and, uh, and you know, <laughs> James said, uh, yeah, I just don't think I'd sit down. Oh, I don't think I'd like do. And it's like the cliche of like, oh, I, I want to, I want to sit down and want to stand up. But mm -hmm. it was genuinely like, I was like, okay, right. Tell me how, you know, tell me how, let's work it out. And I totally understood. And actually he had this old of, whole other perspective on that scene that I'd not even thought of in terms wow. of subtext. And I was like, wow, okay, well, yes, of course you can't be sitting at this point. Of course you can't. In my back of the head, I'm like, my beautiful <laughs> shot is ruined. What am I going to do? Um, but, um, but you know what? It was like, one has only work when they feel organic in terms of blocking. You know, mm -hmm. the actors have to be moving and motivating themselves to move or you end up on loads and loads of takes because it just feels a bit stilted and things don't quite work. So... Um, he, you know, so I was like, when, when does it feel natural to move? When does it feel natural to do this? And we just blocked it, you know, how it felt comfortable for them. And then they stepped away. And then I was like, hmm, <laughs> I'm determined to do this as a runner. And I basically came up with that shot in like, 
20 minutes um, because uh, I, I had to. You know, it's how I need mm-hmm. to shoot the scene. It's yep. how I'd, they'd practiced, they'd rehearsed it. You know, they'd, I'd, they'd put so much work into that scene flowing to, to between them. They were rehearsing all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to just suddenly, you know, drop the ball and be like, well, we'll cut. You know, it felt like we weren't, you know, I was kind of doing them a disservice. So, yeah, so came up with that and amazing camera crew, amazing operator, you know, um, captured it and it was only a few takes and, you know, and we nailed it. So, um, and it's, you yeah, know, it's one of my favorites, you know. And also it's, it's one of those things where studios don't, really like you doing one <laughs> well, or not having a get out a get out they need the coverage they, they as long as you can do a one or as much as you like have coverage so that you can cut so the yeah. breakfast scene i had because i had two cameras i had one on one on james the whole time which is actually mm. what that last reaction comes from um yeah. just in case you know because insurance i you know as a as a director being responsible for the film because you know it's like you get some post pacing you're like oh god actually we need to come in halfway through you know all that stuff it's like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna have a bit of insurance you know because i've promised i would and then we shot that scene and rafaela uh was watching and they both jamie and rafaela was like well you're just not gonna cut that are you i mean you just it's just that's in the movie like there's no way that you can cut out the movie both from a story perspective it's all really important Mm -hmm. but also just as a moment you're like wonderful job done you know so yeah so there's no extra there's nothing more on that (laughs) i love it i love it when those moments happen as a filmmaker and you're like yeah yeah i remember there was a bit on the dare and uh, and me and andrew roger planned this shot and we like want the kid to run all the way up and i was like oh I need an out just in case it's too long. And that's the worry, isn't it? When you're in the edit and you get to the edit and cause it's brilliant on set at the time. You're like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. You get to mm-hmm. the edit and you go, Oh my God, I, this is slow because it's the adrenaline isn't it it's, it's when you're when you're on set it all feels exciting and you're like you're, you're reacting to the emotions you've got no connection to the speed of the rest of the film at that yes. time because it's a full edit and that shot on the dare Andy went don't don't do another cut don't do it I'm so glad I didn't it actually mm. worked that there wasn't that issue did you on yours Phil you know you got that one and did you then do a couple of inserts just in case no there you go. No, I say only only mm. on the bre- only on the breakfast thing mm. is the first one I did, and the first one that the studio would have seen in the rushes. I mean, this was quite late on the the schedule, so they 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 knew that what they were seeing. They knew the movie they were getting right. Eighty <laughs> percent random shots of reindeer and just lots of rushes of reindeer <laughs> staring at a camera, and then the rest <laughs> of them was quite pretty. <laughs> Basically, it was the rushes of this film. And then you know, so when it got to that point, I did the first one. I did shoot, I say, the insert on Jamie mm. and and and. T- even needed to cut to him in the mo- you know uh in that scene yes. which I used at the end uh which actually works because I in my original idea it wasn't going to have that but actually his expression and uh on that I never would have captured had I not mm. put a second camera on it you know and isn't that interesting how I, how I, when like we were talking about there on set it is different to the edit it, it's, it's like you get into the edit and everything just 
changes. You must be super proud and I'm very proud of you. It's incredible. Um, it's, it's lovely. Yeah. Thank you, guys. It's uh, and, and, you know, thanks for this time to talk about it as well, because it's, uh, my God, I've heard about the dare enough. So uh, it's time to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I even mentioned it in this podcast, for God's sake. Ridiculous. I had to. I had to. No, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm immensely proud of the film and, um, you know, and, and it's been lovely getting, as they get these messages and seeing the reaction from people and it's been great, you know, um, Sky have been brilliant. Well, look, it's number three at the moment on the, uh, whether they're doing it in chart order or not, but literally right now, I can't remember what number one is, two is Elf and three is Panther yeah. at Christmas time. Oh, wow. Right I'll take now that. on Sky. Yeah. I mean, they did a, uh, for Sky VIP members, they did a kind of nationwide uh, one day only cinema release of the film. Uh, and I think we had close to 4,000 people attend. And, and, and it was like 93% or 4% rated it like good or excellent and would recommend it. So like if that was a test score thing, I think we'd be doing very well. Yeah, patting ourselves on the back. So, or maybe they were just uh, bribed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but um but yeah it's 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 lovely it's out there and obviously you know we 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 put our you know a lot of time goes into these films and uh, this this was 2 years you know for me so um so yeah it's just a kind of a relief and exciting to have it out with an audience you know mm-hmm. studio movie phil huge congrats yeah, well done, huge yeah. congrats thank you guys is is there a, is the talk of something else is there a talk of you know be interesting to know what the love has come from that to see if there's, has it opened more doors? Because like you say, we, we started this talking about Star Wars, Origins, your amazing short, and your other short, Say Grace, and the fact that that opened the doors for you. You know, you've made feature films and you made two shorts, and that's what opened, not necessarily that necessarily, but it did, it made a difference. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is also going to make a, a difference for you moving forward? Yeah, I think it, I mean, I think it, it hard not ho- to. hopefully... <laughs> hopefully it will and and it kind of has in in a way i mean hopefully my next thing is and you know it's not really until you're on set but the next thing mm-hmm. is is very exciting and uh you know that that's kind of all gearing up at the moment so um so fingers crossed but it's we've all had our hearts broken <laughs> oh, too many times. <laughs> you know all the time so um I'm, I'm just trying to get my head down and, and hope that that hope that happens it's an absolutely wonderful wonderful script and i'm back working with lots of kids <laughs> <laughs> this is it now, Phil. This might be you. Yeah, no, no. You might but be the hey, next Christopher Columbus. You know. Yes. Yeah, I just have to shout out to you know um, Darcy Ewart again, mm. who played Gloria, because her performance is something else. I know we talked about it on the um, the, the the Patreon episode about yeah, the her special, performance yeah. in the film, and which is you probably you know, plug plug worth digging out if you want to get into you know child performance and stuff. I won't repeat myself, but an absolute star, and like <laughs> hope she didn't get snapped up. <laughs> well, I hope she does get snapped up, but she always picks up the phone. <laughs> yes, hope she picks up the phone to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll put a link to that in the show notes of that little episode we we chucked out because it's, it's it's fabulous. I, and I just, I'm sorry, I just have one also thing is like Sarah Jane Potts. I was mm. a huge fan of Kinky Boots, and mm, I, I still too. am. Love that movie. Mm, it's great. So the the fact that she wanted to see this film and did that and has that performance in the film was just truly. Mm you know such a blessing um mm. so you know she's she's a real talent as well and also i'd like to give a shout out to the reindeer and the reindeer of course the reindeer yeah who i am the agent of so if anyone is trying to get hold of a reindeer you know what have you learned about yourself during this process have you learned anything <laughs> <sighs> 
Yeah, oh God. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I've learned you can do what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, do what you want. And there isn't any coming back. No. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously masses. I mean, it's kind of, it's, I think a lot about, uh, it, it, almost about sticking to your guns and also mm. about kind of um, going out with a plan and a feeling, you know, for example, like the reindeer must be real as much as possible. And, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot, a lot to list, but also kind of, and not in an arrogant way, but like a, a sort of almost like a self-confidence because, you know, I'd not made a feature film for quite a while. And this was, mm -hmm. you know, a lot to, you know, a lot to, a lot to bite off, especially my first studio movie. There's a lot of kind of a pressure in myself. You know, I think we, we talked about this a little while ago, didn't we, on a, on a podcast about that little voice that thinks you're not, you know, you're not good enough and you're an imposter and you shouldn't be here. <laughs> and then, you know, and, you, and, and then, and then you do come up with the crazy ideas and, and amazing actors and technician stuff that I've been doing it longer than you've been alive mm. go like oh that's pretty cool like, oh yeah I'm into that and stuff. and uh, and then and then you have a lovely reaction from a film just by you know st I say sticking to your guns and your own sensibility of making something I think that's very very re rewarding as a you know as a creative person so I guess I guess that if that's a <laughs> if that's a good enough answer yeah that's a great answer perfect as always Phil uh, you're amazing thank you Pranto Christmas Tale is out now on Sky Go watch it. Is it out in America as well? Yeah, it's out in America. Uh, on all digital platforms. And there's even physical in America as well. So you can get a Blu-ray and stuff. If you want to keep it around for next year. Of course. Um, but yeah, in the UK, yeah, Sky. It's, it's playing like... It's amazing. I, I just click on Sky movies and premiere it and it's just playing three times a day it's this weird it's bizarre it's like oh this is there on telly uh, and obviously on now tv and stuff so yeah it's 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 lovely it's out there huge congrats thanks very much phil so there you go go watch it go support and uh go give it a lovely review um because that's what we have to do to help yeah, each other do. as well please do <laughs> please do remember you can go out there and make your indie film you can make your studio film you can make whatever <laughs> you like if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the reindeer back down. <laughs> <laughs> Dom Lamar, thank you very much for joining no, us. Thank you very much, Phil. But Phil Hawkins. Thanks, Dom. Thank, thank you. Thank you. You've been amazing. What a wonderful person and congratulations. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Cool. We will see you next Tuesday because next Tuesday we have on the director of Spirited, the Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell movie. The Rival? Hang on. I know. Yeah, I was doing it live. <laughs> Phil's still here, Dom. He's still here. <laughs> Shit. Sean Anders is on. Um, but yeah, watch Prancer, Christmas Tale first. Um, absolutely. But yes, that is next week for you. And then the Tuesday after, it's pretty much Christmas. Um, so we'll be doing our Christmas special. And it'll take us over oh. into the new year. Into 2023, people. Where you Yay. can go make your film. I really want you to go make your film in 2023. Um, and I hope you've learnt lots from, from this year as well, but from this podcast especially, Phil. Uh, so follow him on Twitter, at PhilMBlog, because he's full of insights and amazing stuff on there as well. Uh, and do love this podcast and tell your friends about it. Like an orchestra of filmic knowledge, a PhilHarmonica. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Dom. Beautiful. Take care. Bye. Bye. The Filmmakers Podcast is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. Subscribe for regular bonus content and special episodes.